The second reading is found in Paul's second letter to the Corinthian Christians, chapter 5. This will serve as the basis for our meditation this morning. For the love of Christ compels us. Because we came to this conclusion, one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all so that those who live would no longer live for themselves, but for him who died in their place and was raised again. As a result, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we knew Christ according to the flesh, we no longer know him that way. So then if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed, the new has come. And all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, inasmuch as God is making an appeal through us. We urge you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who did not know sin to become sin for us, so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The word of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So what gets you up in the morning? Now, when your alarm went off this morning and you hit the snooze button hoping to get a little bit more sleep, you probably weren't thinking about that question. But it's an important question to ask. What gets you up in the morning? Now, maybe you're like the child who, on Christmas morning who just can't wait to tear into his presence and you're... You're just excited to get up. And, and you, just, you get excited about life. So, hey, it's a new day. It's awesome. Now, maybe you're excited about your job or, or school or, or where you get to go that day or what you get to do that day. Or maybe you're simply happy to have another opportunity to enjoy a day of God's grace. Unfortunately, for the most of us, most of the time, our reasons for getting up in the morning aren't always so positive. Often it's not so much what gets you up, but what drags you out of bed in the morning. The need to earn a paycheck gets you up when you'd rather sleep. The need for a good education gets you out of bed, or at least gets your parents to get you out of bed rather than sleep. Or maybe... You have to get up because if you don't get up, you're going to miss an important appointment or an important meeting, or maybe even you have the kind of job that if you don't make it to work on time, you can get your pay docked. Often our reasons for getting up in the morning aren't necessarily positive. They're not necessarily joyful. Now, if you take a look at the life and writings of the Apostle Paul, no one ever dragged that guy out of bed. He, he, there was nothing. Uh, it, it, you, you get the impression no, no one had to do that because this guy was just a ball of energy all the time. I mean, you get exhausted reading about Paul. He's traveling places, teaching people, writing to fellow believers in congregations, or just basically surviving a dangerous life and profession. He was always on the move. Always going, 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 but he never stopped talking about Jesus to anyone who would listen to him. And even if they didn't want to listen to him, he'd still talk to them about Jesus. Like, for example, when he was under house arrest, can you imagine being the Roman soldier chained to him? Hey, I'd like to tell you about Jesus. I'd like to tell you about Jesus. Are you sure? 
Okay, well, how about tomorrow? Combined with that energy, with that boundless eagerness to serve his Lord, Paul was laser-focused on the mission that Jesus had given to him. Jesus had given him this lofty charge, this mission, to take the gospel to the nations. And nothing short of death was going to stop Paul from doing that. Now, once he had had directed that laser-like focus against Jesus, against his followers, but Jesus on the road to Damascus had changed all of that and turned Paul towards the mission, towards serving him with every fiber of his being. That eagerness to serve got Paul up in the morning. But why? Why was Paul so eager to serve and proclaim Jesus that his opponents thought he was almost out of his mind? Well, today Paul reveals to you and me why he got up in the morning and why you and I get up in the morning because you and I are motivated by Christ's love. Paul's second letter to the Corinthian Christians, it's really a response to people who were questioning him, who were opposing him. You see, there were some teachers who had showed up after Paul had planted the churches in Corinth. And they, were, they came to the Corinthian Christians and they were playing up how great they were and how eloquent and wise they were compared to Paul and his message. And it seems that some of the people there had, had kind of gotten to the impression that maybe Paul was a little over-energetic, a little too passionate, perhaps even a, a little out of his mind. Why is Paul so eager? Why is Paul so, so urgent to, to proclaim the gospel and serve the Lord? It seems a little obsessive, doesn't it? Maybe he's not quite right in the head. So Paul had to explain to them why he and those with whom he served were so passionate and eager to serve the Lord. This is how Paul explains it. He says, actually, if we were out of our minds, it was for God. If we are in our right minds, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us. What got Paul up in the morning? The love of Christ compels us. Christ's love for the world compelled him to die for the sins of all people and then to rise again from the dead. That love of Christ compelled Paul to realize that he was living a borrowed life, a life of grace, sharing that life of Jesus who died and rose again for him. That love of Christ got Paul up in the morning. So does that do that for you? Does the love of Christ get you up in the morning? By nature, none of us are excited about serving Jesus. Every one of us would rather sleep in and do what we want rather than what God wants. And sadly, our our natural reaction to God's holy will isn't just uh, getting dragged out of bed but being completely hostile toward Him. When it comes to the choices you make, your natural instinct is to do what you want, when you want it, however you want to do it, whatever benefits you. Your sinful nature wants you to focus not on God's will, but on yours. And if that means opposing God's will in a selfish, me-first kind of way, then so be it. Is it any wonder why it's so easy to get up early for a vacation, but so difficult to get up on a Sunday morning for worship? Our sinful natures only come here kicking and screaming. Yet God gives us the reason to get up in the morning. Paul goes on, For the love of Christ compels us because we came to this conclusion. 
One died for all, therefore all died. And He died for all so that those who live would no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died in their place and was raised again. Changes your perspective, doesn't it? Like Paul, you realize that you live a borrowed life sharing in the life of Christ who died and rose again for you. The agony and death that Jesus endured for your sins applies to every one of us. Because He died for us, every one of us is now acquitted by God the Holy Judge. An acquittal guaranteed with Christ's empty tomb. You aren't living for yourself anymore. You are not your own. Rather than a death sentence, you've been given life and you live it for Christ, serving Him with all the gifts that God has given to you. If you've died to sin and now live for Christ, then how you view the world around you and the people around you changes. Paul tells us, as a result, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we knew Christ according to the flesh, we no longer know Him that way. So then if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. How Paul viewed the world changed dramatically on that road to Damascus when Jesus appeared to him. Gone were the old dead ways of trying to please God with his own obedience and trying to overcome guilt with work. In their place was a new creation created through the saving work of Christ. Now Christ's love, it doesn't just compel you to serve the Lord faithfully. No, that love drastically changes how we look at one another and how we look at the people around us rather than seeing people only from their outward appearance or as objects for personal gain or, or objects, uh, ways for us to get ahead. We see them from the perspective of the finished work of Christ. We see them as souls for whom Jesus died and rose again. And therefore, souls who need to know about their Savior who came to make them a new creation. We even see Jesus differently because God sees us differently. All these things are from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. From that new perspective of His love for us, Christ now gives us a new task to proclaim is reconciliation. Reconciliation is a rare treasure these days, isn't it? In the, with political infighting and rhetoric on all sides, reconciliation doesn't seem to be anywhere on the horizon as each side constantly attacks the other. We live in a culture that's become so polarized that rather than try to find common ground and to interact calmly, either stand with me and hate others, or you become my enemy and I will, you, do, you are not deserving of even a single shred of my compassion. As our society gets more polarized, reconciliation seems like, like a distant dream or just some, something that's in the past that will never come back. You even see it in families. Bickering and attacking never ends. Even as Christians, we can get caught up in the fighting, bickering and complaining about what this person did or what this person said or how they looked at us. But we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. That heart of that message is this. God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Our God is the Prince of Peace. Our God is the Wonderful Counselor. We have the God-Man, Jesus Christ, whose holy precious blood paid the required price for the sins of every soul as a true human being, yet who reconciled the world to Himself as true God. And there's more. And He has entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. 
Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ inasmuch as God is making an appeal through us. The job of an ambassador is to represent a greater authority, and we are Christ's representatives in this world with the only message, the only message that brings reconciliation, true reconciliation, to people of different cultures and races and languages and nations and social statuses and, and family backgrounds and political positions. Our task is to warn people of their need to be reconciled to God, no matter who they are, and then to point them to Jesus as the only solution, no matter who they are. That's the ministry of reconciliation that Jesus has entrusted to us. By entrusting that ministry of reconciliation to us, Christ then gives us the task of using the gifts that our God gives to us to serve our gracious Lord, motivated by Christ's love for us. That means using your ability to speak. That means you're using your ability as a believer to pray. Or the physical gifts that God has given to you. The work of your hands. The abilities God gives to you. The time He gives to you to spend. You use these gifts, whatever they might be. And we all have gifts. Use them in His service. That also means using the treasures, the very financial gifts that our God gives to us, whether small or great, to support not only that message of reconciliation going out here in Central Florida, but across North America and around the world. Proclaiming that message was another reason why Paul got up in the morning. He knew there were still countless souls out there, and as long as there were souls out there, he had to get out there to tell them and give them this message, God made him who did not know sin to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. But that wasn't just Paul's message. That's your message. That's my message. Christ was clothed with our sin so we could be clothed with His righteousness, His holiness, to have eternal life with Him. So now motivated by Christ's love, we carry out that ministry of reconciliation. We proclaim that message of reconciliation and we use God's gifts in His service. Friends, whether you had a reason or not, you have a good reason to get up in the morning now. It's not just work. It's not just school. It's not just the alarm clock. It's not just the paycheck. It's not even just sunshine or coffee or vacation. No, Christ's love for you, which brought you real reconciliation, real peace with God. That's your motivation and mine to get up each morning and to use all of God's gifts in His service. Amen.